Sam Altman was one of the executives pushing the bounds of artificial intelligence. And he was at the top of the tech world. The one and only person who's going to be deciding our futures. I don't think so. That's Altman appearing at a Bloomberg tech event just a few months ago. There are a lot of people that talk about AI as like the last technological revolution. I suspect it, you know, from the other side, it'll look like the first. Altman ran the company OpenAI. That is, until this past weekend, when he got fired from his job. And this was a total shock because OpenAI is at the top of its game right now. And Sam Altman is the face of the AI revolution. And the AI revolution is sort of the most exciting and intense uh, period that the tech industry has had in, in years. Garrett DeVink is a tech reporter for The Post. And he says this isn't just some typical story about an executive getting fired. OpenAI is the company that developed ChatGPT. And OpenAI's board removing Sam Altman has completely rocked the tech industry. You know, we started hitting up our sources, looking online, seeing what people were saying, and everyone was shocked, even people who were close to the company, people who were investors. So immediately everyone said, well, maybe something really bad happened. Maybe there was some accusations of fraud. Maybe there was some serious workplace misconduct. But as the weekend went on, it was revealed that there weren't any allegations like that. And, you know, people were very confused about, well, what exactly happened? And, and that's really when the chaos set in. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Tuesday, November 21st. Today, a pivotal moment in the AI revolution. Garrett explains what we know so far about Sam Altman's removal from OpenAI and what it could mean for the future of this world-altering technology. So, okay, before we get more into the news of what happened and exactly why Sam Altman was ousted and and what's the future of this company, I do want to back up a little bit and just learn more about who this person is. Uh, Garrett, can you just tell me about Sam Altman's background and how did he ascend to become this, you know, figurehead in, in the AI world? So Sam Altman has been known in Silicon Valley for quite a while. He's he's still pretty young. He's in his late 30s. In the early 2000s, he graduated Stanford just you know after the tech bubble had burst. And he started his own startup. It failed after a couple of years. But he caught the attention of some other venture capitalists who were relatively influential in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And they put him in charge of this organization called Y Combinator, which is a startup incubator. So Sam Altman was, was running this organization. And he became very, very influential through that. The most important thing, uh, the number one lesson we try to teach startups is that if you can build a product that is so good, people spontaneously tell their friends about it, you have done 80% of the work that you need to be a really successful startup. He saw all these really promising startups. He was able to invest in some of them. So companies like Airbnb started at Y Combinator and eventually became you know, giant public companies that brought in a lot of money for their investors. And so that's who Sam Allman was. Um, Around five or six years ago, he started OpenAI along with a bunch of other tech luminaries. He was kind of the guy who was sort of 
running it while other people were putting money in and bringing their influence. People like Elon Musk, you know, very influential, Peter Thiel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, high powered billionaires really. And Sam Altman, he was sort of chosen to be the one to move OpenAI forward. And the whole stated reason for OpenAI was big tech companies, Google, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, were putting a lot of money into artificial intelligence. And people in the industry were concerned, well, if big tech controls this technology and it becomes really important, then where does that leave the rest of the world? And so Mm -hmm. they wanted to create OpenAI as a counterweight to the power of big tech. And what was Sam Altman's reputation in the tech world? If you had to describe him and his image and the type of leader he was and his stature in, in that industry, how would you put it? Yeah, he was seen as someone who's very good at bringing people along, at shaping a vision, getting people to get on board with it, at articulating a vision of the future that both sounds very exciting and beneficial, but also potentially very profitable. And this is really his skill. You know, he's as far as kind of the marketing around him and opening eye goes, is that. He is a nice guy. He cares about things beyond money. He really wants to see the world turn into a better place. He's gotten involved in politics uh, to some extent over the years. He's been a Democratic donor. He mused about running for office himself several years ago, although that never happened. And so he's kind of this generally friendly, smart, Mm. progressive guy in Silicon Valley that everyone realizes is at the center of a lot of important things right now. So Sam Altman was part of OpenAI from the very beginning, and it it was supposed to be this counterweight to the big tech companies. How was it run? Um, And then how under Sam Altman did OpenAI grow in, in prominence? Because I think a lot of people know this company through ChatGPT. Absolutely. So this was all well before ChatGPT. And because it had that mission of being that counterweight to the big, powerful companies like Google and Microsoft, it was started as a nonprofit. And the goal was not to go out and make a bunch of money and dominate the AI market. The goal was to develop super smart AI, you know, AI that one day could maybe even surpass the intelligence of us humans, but to make it for humanity. You know, they had this very lofty goal. They had this this a constitution essentially that ensured that they would be committed to that goal regardless of what happened. But mm. as time went on, the way that AI has developed is you need a lot of money and a lot of really expensive computer chips in order to make the most advanced AI. You need to go and scrape all sorts of data, billions and billions of images or videos or pieces of text from the internet and run them through this giant algorithm. And that takes millions and millions of dollars in compute power. So you need a giant warehouse with high-tech computer chips and you need someone who's willing to pay money to run those computer chips for you. And so after a few years, OpenAI actually struck a deal with Microsoft where they said, look, we need your chips, we need your money. So even a few years in, under the leadership of Sam Altman, the company was already drifting away from being a nonprofit and their justification was, well, we have to do this. We don't have an alternative, we need the money. So Garrett, can you explain to me then how OpenAI's corporate structure works and what their relationship is to investors and backers? So OpenAI is still technically run by a nonprofit board that oversees everything that happens at the company. And they are 
Sam Altman's boss officially according to you know the documents the, of the company. But when OpenAI took on money so that they could train more AI, they, they took on billions and billions of dollars of investment from Microsoft. And in exchange, they would share their technology with Microsoft, which Microsoft has used in its own AI products that it's kind of made the centerpiece of its company this year. So the implication of that corporate structure is that you have this board that runs the company that's mission is not necessarily to make money. It's not necessarily to serve investors like Microsoft. It's to build super smart AI that will benefit the world. Garrett, maybe this is a foolish question because <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot of hand-wringing, uh, I don't know if you want to call it hand-wringing or hysteria or whatever about AI posing a threat to humanity, but what is the idea behind it being this good or benefit to humanity? Because it sounds like that's was the ethos of OpenAI. It's really interesting because the people involved in OpenAI and a lot of people in the AI industry, they've talked about AI for years in almost a religious way where they see it as a technology that inevitably will become smarter than humans. And for years, very, very few people thought that that was something that would happen quickly. They thought, okay, maybe it'll happen the same way we see in science fiction, but it's not going to happen in our lifetimes. It's not going to happen until 100 or 200 or 300 years from now. But over the last couple of years, as the technology has gotten better, and you know, a lot of people by now have interacted with ChatGPT, it can do some really impressive things. Some of the image generators, you just give it a prompt and it seems to understand what you're saying somehow and create this image. So the people behind this tech, a lot of them have really moved up their timelines for how quickly this technology could surpass human intelligence or at least be able to do things that we we can't do ourselves or even maybe manipulate us. And so hmm. OpenAI, you know, a lot of the people behind the company believe that this future would come and they wanted to make sure that they got ahead of it so that they could make sure that when it came, it would be beneficial and we wouldn't have a, a Terminator situation, literally. Oh no. And so, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and it's very interesting being in this in this industry because there's a lot of people, I won't say, you know, necessarily Sam Altman or people running OpenAI, but a lot of people in the industry do truly believe that you know we are doing something very dangerous by building these AI hmm. technologies and that we need to either slow down or be a lot more careful about how we go about it. And yeah. the other side of the industry just sort of scoffs at this and says, no, like we're technologists, we build the future. We shouldn't be afraid of our creations. Mm -hmm. And of course, those are the people as well who you know, realize that if this technology is as beneficial as they claim it is, they might make a lot of money from it. And so what has Sam Altman's stance been on regulating artificial intelligence? Sam Altman has kind of taken a bit of a middle-of-the-road approach. So he definitely talks about the risks. He's mentioned that, yes, this, this technology could one day get out of control and maybe begin to harm humanity. But his sort of, you know, predictions for how likely that is are, are on the lower end. So I'm nervous about it. I think people are able to adapt quite quickly. In May, he testified in front of Congress about the potential dangers and risks of AI. Uh, when Photoshop came onto the scene a long time ago, you know, for a while, people were really quite fooled by Photoshop images. And then pretty quickly, 
developed uh, an understanding that images might be photoshopped. Uh, this will be like that, but on steroids. Of course, this technology is already harming people. It's it, it's infused with the biases of the data that it's trained on. It's you know being used to discriminate against people sometimes, obviously to create misinformation potentially and deep fakes. And so a lot of people say, look, let's stop talking about the future right now and focus on what's actually happening. Sam Altman has sort of tried to thread that needle where he says, yes, there's problems right now that we need to regulate. There's future really catastrophic risks, some of these existential risks that you know could come about. It's one of my areas of greatest concern, the, 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 the more general ability of these models to manipulate, to persuade, uh, to provide sort of one-on-one uh, you know, interactive disinformation. I think that's like a broader version of what you're talking about, but given that we're going to face an election next year and these models are getting better, uh, I think this is a significant area of concern. I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of policies that companies can voluntarily adopt, and I'm happy to talk about what we do there. And so he's been spending a lot of time speaking to politicians, speaking at Congress. He did a world tour in the spring where he went and talked to a whole bunch of different world leaders. And his position has been, yes, we should regulate these companies, but it's pretty vague about specifically exactly what he wants. And and mm-hmm. and so I think he's also concerned, or at least he says he is, that if they regulate too strictly, that might choke off some of the innovation happening mm. at other companies. And you know, smaller startups have accused Sam Altman of asking for regulation in order to pull up the ladder behind him and make it more difficult for new AI companies to develop if there's all sorts of rules and licensing regimes that they need to go through before they can sell their products to the public. If Sam Altman was sitting atop this perch and was so important in the tech world and the AI world, I want to understand what happened and what led to his ouster. So first, can you just walk me through what is the stated reason? Like, how did the world find out that he is no longer in charge of this company? So on Friday afternoon, the board of OpenAI, so OpenAI is still technically a nonprofit with a for-profit wing, which is what Sam Altman is in charge of. But the board of the nonprofit called him into a Google Meets and they said, you're done, you're being fired, we're letting you go. And minutes later, they announced it online saying that Altman had not been candid in his communications with the board and announcing that the company's chief technology would take over as interim CEO. I mean, that statement is very vague. It doesn't really reveal a a reason. So as the weekend progressed, what was, was anything revealed any further as to why they were getting rid of him? So the next day, a memo leaked out of OpenAI coming from executives. So not the board, but the actual people who are running the day-to-day operations of the company. And they sent an email out to employees saying that they too were confused shocked. They didn't know what was going on. They talked to the board and they felt that they hadn't gotten a good answer as to why the board actually made this decision. Hmm. They told employees that it wasn't about any kind of fraudulent activity or any kind of misconduct, but that they were still in the dark, at least from their perspective, about what actually happened. And so once that memo leaked and we were reporting on it, other people were reporting on it, the whole tech world really started getting into high gear and putting pressure on this board to give some kind of an answer to reinstate Altman. People were really confused and really upset. Mm. 
And so based on you and your colleagues reporting on this, what emerged as some likely reasons or dynamics behind him being ousted? To be honest, it's been a few days and no one has really gotten a great answer as to why he was ousted. Which is wild if we just want to underscore how wild that is because of how important this company is and they just got rid of the guy who's been the face of it and co-founded it without any reason. Yeah, I mean, it would be as if a governor was, you know, had resigned and four days later, you had no idea why, you know, Hmm. it's a, it's a very big deal. And it's, it's really taken over the tech industry. You have people who have been veterans going all the way back to the, the dot-com crash saying, this was the craziest thing I've ever seen in technology. This was the wildest week that I've ever experienced. Uh, Wow. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. It doesn't make any sense. In terms of what you and your colleagues are hearing from your sources, is one of the dynamics that's emerging, does it have to do with the direction of OpenAI and where it was headed? I think it's still not completely clear, but I do think that you can see the way that that Sam Altman ran OpenAI. I mean, days before this happened, the company had had a giant developer conference where Sam Altman had strode onto stage Good morning. Welcome to our first ever OpenAI Dev Day. We're thrilled that you're here and this energy is awesome. Extremely reminiscent, I'm sure purposely so, of Steve Jobs at you know those Apple events that people used to get so excited about years ago, announcing new OpenAI products. So ChatGPT has been around for about a year now and we might all know it as, as sort of a product that you can pay for. Maybe people use it, maybe they don't. But when the company first put it out, they called it a, a research project, you know, a little <laughs> test. And so this company was not really in the business of business yet. I mean, they were not a company that was, you know, pushing forward, trying to come up with new products every couple months, trying to get people to use their AI instead of someone else's AI. And over the last year, that's really what they've become. Sam Allman has pushed his company to become a consumer product company. He is a very ambitious person. He clearly wants to build the company into its own brand. He doesn't want to just work with Microsoft and provide technology for them in the back end. He wants to be his own tech company. And a lot of people in the industry who you know, felt, well, OpenAI was supposed to be created as a nonprofit, why are they now acting and talking and walking like a big tech company? Mm. That's not great. And so there was a lot of consternation within the industry and even within OpenAI itself, there's this broader rift in the AI industry that you know, we need to drive the tech forward and mm. sell it and get it into people's hands versus we need to be a bit more careful and maybe focus on the science, focus under, on understanding it and yes, drive the technology forward, but not necessarily with the goal of putting it in every iPhone or getting some kind of consumer product to sell to someone. After the break, the revolt within OpenAI and how other tech companies could take advantage of the chaos. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. 
The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. So, Garrett, I want to now, since we don't have all of the answers as to why Sam Altman was ousted, I want to understand what's happened to OpenAI, at least since it's happened. So on Sunday, this was two days after he was fired, Sam Altman returned to the OpenAI office in this sort of triumphant return to potentially negotiate his return to the company. He took some selfies at the OpenAI office with the visitor badge and he tweeted, this is you know, the first and the last time I'll be wearing a visitor badge. So very much clear that his intention was to come back, that the board had made some terrible mistake and you know, seeing the light, the entire tech industry, mm-hmm. OpenAI's investors were putting pressure on them to reinstate him. And so were employees. And so I and a few other reporters went down to the OpenAI office. It was a sunny but cold day. And we sort of shivered outside, holding our coffees, trying to talk to employees who were going in and out of the office. It was clear that people were going maybe to work on a Sunday, but it turns out they were going to be supportive of Sam Altman to sort of be there as these negotiations took place. So then what happened? Did He didn't return as the head of OpenAI, right? No, I mean, we were waiting outside for him to come out, maybe do some kind of press conference if we were lucky, announcing his return, or at least after tweeting it and uh, talking to us. But he never came out. We, we sort of stayed there shivering as it got darker and darker. And around 9 p.m., OpenAI announced a new CEO, a new interim CEO named Emmett Shear. He's the former CEO of Twitch. And employees started streaming out of the office. They still wouldn't talk to reporters, but they did not look happy. And very soon after that, the CEO of Microsoft announced that Sam Altman would be going to Microsoft as hmm. to lead a new AI research lab. And this was just yet another twist of this already wild boardroom saga. And the next morning, OpenAI employees put out a petition saying, They don't like that. They're going to also quit and go to Microsoft themselves if Sam Altman isn't reinstated. And by the end of the day on Monday, 95% of employees had signed that letter. 
So just to be clear, what has happened by the board making this move is that almost the entire workforce of OpenAI is threatening to go to Microsoft, which is not really a competitor right now of OpenAI because they've they're it's financial backer, right, at this point. But what we're what I'm hearing you say is a dynamic is emerging where actually this big tech company could benefit greatly from this fight over the future of this, what was supposed to be this nonprofit model. Essentially, you have a company that was at the top of the tech industry that everybody wanted to work at, that was giving its employees million-dollar salaries, that was going to be at the top of the tech industry for years to come and maybe even become a big tech company of the likes of Google, Microsoft, Facebook itself, suddenly imploding and, and potentially going out of business, ceasing to exist just in the span of a few short days. And so where we stand now is we still don't know what's going on. Sam Altman mm. is still signaling that he would like to return to the company. Microsoft has said that they've hired him, although they are open to him going back. And so it is potentially still very open-ended. Mm. And if he does go to Microsoft, you're right, Microsoft will gain you know, this very influential figure in the AI industry. A lot of top OpenAI employees and researchers will go with him. But I think Microsoft also is sort of trying to manage through this chaos because they're a public company. They're the ones mm. with Wall Street to answer to. And I do think that this disruption is not necessarily purely a good thing for Microsoft either. I think mm. other AI companies like Google, or there's a company that competes with OpenAI called Anthropic AI that was actually founded by former OpenAI employees who left several years ago. Those companies stand to gain because what you had was essentially the number one player potentially going away overnight or at least facing a period of intense infighting and disruption. And that's where those competitors could step in and take over more power yeah. of the industry. Chaos breeds opportunity, <laughs> potentially. Exactly. Um, so where does the board stand with all this? They made this decision, and now there's all this chaos. Their competitors could stand to benefit. Their company could be completely imploded by the end of it. Where where do they all stand right now? So the board is holding the line, except one of its members, Ilya Setskiver, who is a longtime OpenAI employee. He was on the board. He was the chief scientist. He is immensely respected in the AI field as a very, very important researcher who figured out some key things that allowed these AI models to do the things that they do today. He was the one who had actually called Sam Altman into that board meeting where he was fired. And so people had painted this picture that Ilya had betrayed Sam Altman and that there had been this, this rift between the two of them that led to this. But on Monday... Ilya Sutskever decided to sign that letter saying he would also resign if Sam Altman wasn't reinstated. And he tweeted that he was very sorry about his participation in the ouster of Sam Altman. So at least one member of the board has now flipped. The other three seem to be holding their line that, no, Sam Altman is not the right CEO. He was not, you know, quote, candid in his communications with them. And they believe they had the position and the right to get rid of him and put a new CEO in place. I mean, in some ways, Garrett, this sounds like almost like messy family drama. <laughs> I don't know if that's 
the dynamic that you're seeing. And there's all this uncertainty, and now there's sides being taken and people flip-flopping. But on the other hand, I wonder if there is something to this almost like symbolic pivot of Sam Altman and potentially the entire workforce of OpenAI going to Microsoft, going to big tech. Is that is that your read of this? I think you're absolutely right. I think what this situation has really laid bare for everyone is that the power in technology lies with the big tech companies because they have the money, they have the computers, they have the computer chips, and they can really decide who gets that money and who gets those computer chips. And so Microsoft did not have a seat on the board. They weren't involved in this decision. And yet their influence is really shaping this situation because OpenAI needs Microsoft, whether they have Sam Altman as CEO or not, they need Microsoft or some other big wealthy company to make an investment so that they have the money to train their AI models. And Mm -hmm. so the tech industry has really been dominated by these big tech companies for years. And I think a lot of people were hopeful this year that this new technology would really disrupt that, that you know, we wouldn't be using Google search anymore because we'd be using ChatGPT to answer all our questions. And suddenly the power of Google would fade away and we would see some real competition and some real disruption in the industry. But the way that this technology works means that the ones with the deepest pockets are the ones that control it. And I think Mm -hmm. this situation really shows that you could have a nonprofit board, you could try to be independent, you could say, we're going to strike out, do our own thing create our own version of the future outside of the control of the titans of Silicon Valley. And yet that's not really working. The first big test here, and it looks like this company may implode. And a lot of its talent, a lot of its expertise go right to the big tech companies. Garrett, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Garrett Devink is a tech reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Eliza Dennis with help from Ariel Plotnick and Alana Gordon. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Rena Flores. Thanks to Yun Hee Kim. You've probably already heard from us lately that ad-free audio is now available for all Washington Post subscribers and Apple Podcasts. But now here's another reason to subscribe to the Washington Post. It's our biggest sale of the year. Our Black Friday sale runs now through November 29th, and you can get a whole year of The Washington Post, plus that ad-free audio, for just 99 cents every four weeks. Don't miss this chance to subscribe at our lowest price of the year. Just go to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe, or follow the link in our show notes. And thank you. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.